0: Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned, as together we'll study God's Word.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Scott Kirksey, a pastor on staff here at PCC. Stoked to be with you this morning. My favorite bumper sticker of all time reads, Jesus is coming, look busy. I crack up at the thought that if Jesus were actually arriving, we'd all scramble to look good. Oh, like grab a hammer. Hey, Jesus, I was just over here building this house for, uh, you know, some orphans. I also wonder if Jesus would be right on time. I have a feeling the opposite might be true for a lot of us, especially those who are struggling. Man, Jesus, you're late. Didn't you hear about all we've been going through? If only you would have come this time last year. We're in Habakkuk, chapter 2. Habakkuk is a short book that's set during a time when Israel is stressed. They are under threat by the powerful Babylonians. Devastation and exile, losing their homes, being forced out of their land. All of that is on their doorstep. And God is allowing the worst of people to do it. Everything about God's action or his inaction seems unfair. Habakkuk is unique in that it works like a dialogue between the prophet Habakkuk and God. It begins with Habakkuk praying, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. What's awesome is that God responds to Habakkuk and answers the question of how long. What's not awesome is that God's answer appears to be completely counter to his character. God says, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I'm going to raise up your enemies. God essentially answers Habakkuk with, I have this great plan. You're not going to believe it. Heads up, Habakkuk. It's about to get worse. I'm going to let your evil, godless neighbors attack you and win. All of your freedom is about to disappear. Your life is going to be completely out of your control. Wait, what? That's not what I prayed for. Why am I praying at all? Lord, I came to you for help. Everything going on here doesn't look like what I know to be true about you. PCC, what do you do when what you see with your eyes betrays what you know in your heart? Today we read our headlines about the political unrest in our country. We read about the continued pain and injustice caused by racism. We read about the pandemic and the rising death toll. We hear the growing concern for mental health and that will continue in isolation for longer than any of us would like. For many of us, our pain is even more acute. Our plans get radically interrupted by the death of a loved one. Our hopes hijacked by that unwanted divorce. That call from the doctor that changes everything. Or our kids veering radically off course, and we wonder if they'll find their way back. Pete Cesaro, author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, says that every one of us will go through a dark night of the soul, a time in our lives when we have more questions than answers, and a huge percentage of Christians won't survive it, but will walk away from their faith. It's during these times that we pray, Lord, where are you? And Jesus' words on prayer in the book of Matthew can make it even more challenging. Jesus asked the question, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Yet we experience these times in our lives when it looks as if we're getting a lot of stones and snakes. N.T. Wright says this, Those who look for heaven on earth are continually puzzled because things don't work out that way. In the difficult times, we can't help but wonder, God, are you still on the throne? Is this really the plan? Dallas Willard remarks, if you are a follower of God and he hasn't disappointed you, give it time. Now, Dallas Willard wasn't a pessimist. He's not Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, always expecting rain. He's actually highlighting a crucial point to remember in our walk with God. And it's that God doesn't always do what we want or think he ought to do? Or we can wonder in difficult times, why is he taking so long? What is it for you? What have you been waiting on God to do? Feel free to type it in the chat. Something really beautiful happens after Habakkuk prays. God responds, and here's what he says. Habakkuk, write this down. And it wasn't just so that he would remember the conversation. It was so that he could share it. We're still reading today what God told Habakkuk to write down way back then. Habakkuk 2 2 says this Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. In a nutshell, this is the message that followed that was worth writing down. It's God saying, you're going to have experiences that are going to look like I don't see you. It's going to look like I've let you down. It's going to look like you're alone. It's going to look like injustice wins. It's going to look like I've abandoned you, and this is what you need to know. I haven't. PCC, you and I are going to have dark nights. We're going to look around us at all that seems unfair and wonder why God is taking so long. His solution is not going to be in our timing. It's going to be in His. Have you ever met anyone that's over 100 years old? Can you imagine that person telling you they're pregnant? How did that happen? Abraham and Sarah were promised a family, then walked through infertility until Abraham had already passed the century mark. Jacob, God promised him a family, But Jacob would spend over 14 years getting swindled by his uncle before he could marry the woman he wanted to settle down with. Joseph was given a vision of the future, with him leading his brothers. Then he was sold as a slave, falsely accused, and spent years in prison. Naomi and Ruth would experience the death of their sons and husbands well before seeing God's hand in their story. David was anointed king then spent years running for his life. And here's one Brian just preached a few weeks ago. Zechariah and Elizabeth, faithful people serving in the church, hoped for a child year in and year out, but the womb would not get the memo, and they would prove barren into old age before God would surprise them with that announcement that they were going to be parents. Zechariah gets the message from an angel in the temple and wonders, how can I know this good thing will come true? How do I know it'll happen? But here's the deal. So many years they hoped and prayed, and so many years they wept, and their hopes did not come true. How can this be, he asked. I think Zechariah was afraid to hope again. His hope always ended in hurt. If disappointment comes again, I'm not sure I could take it. And then there's Mary. God promised her son would be the Messiah. Then she watches him die. Take a second and imagine how her hopes were dashed while watching the death of her son. Flashing back to the promise she was given as a teenager. My God, everything looks radically wrong and contrary to what you promised. Have you ever wondered what her prayer looked like for the three days Jesus was in the tomb? God, I thought. Even Jesus, praying in the garden when he can already see what's ahead, trying to wrap his mind around what's coming next. Lord, take this cup from me. God, change the story. And then on the cross, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you ever asked God to change your story? I'd like us to take a minute to hear from some friends of mine. They are PCCers who have been privileged to get to know recently and have been generous to share their story. Check this out.
2: Hey, PCC, I'd like you to meet my friends Kevin and June who have generously offered to share a part of their story with us. So, The name Habakkuk in Hebrew means to embrace, to wrestle. What are you guys wrestling with and waiting on the Lord for during these days?
3: Um, Kevin and I got married six and a half years ago. We have been trying to conceive for the past six years. Um, Specifically for the past four years, we have gone through many, many rounds of IVF treatments, which resulted in one miscarriage and many more aborted or failed rounds of treatments. This past year has been especially hard for me because well, number one, I'm just older. Um, but the other thing is, the bigger thing is that I felt that I did everything right. I felt that I prayed, I invited God into the journey, and I feel like I'm asking for something in the Bible, which is to be fruitful and multiply. So I really did not understand why our prayers were unanswered. I felt really angry at God, and I really didn't know if he loved me.
2: Kevin, how about you?
0: Yeah, um, for me, I think it culminated into the third year of my marriage. when we got married, I, um, I wanted to be, have a good family because I didn't have that. Um, and so my desire was to really have a loving marriage and have parents and kids that love one another. Um, and for me, I felt like, okay, God gave me a blueprint of how to be a good husband and maybe how to be a good father, and I really strive for that. Um, but at the third year where we struggle through infertility, and we were also fighting a lot. Um, I started to doubt that. Sure, God, I, I mean, I'm doing things for your kingdom and for you, but does my desire of having a good family matter? You know, does that does that make it up? Th- th- does that request even make it up to your year? Um, and did you even care? And I think that that really sent me down in a a tough spot where I was then suffering from some form of depression like I had since I was a child.
2: Wow. Wow. Thank you guys for sharing that part of your story. That is, it's, it's a vulnerable place. Well, how have you seen God um, in the wrestle, even though uh, you're not at a place where you have this answered prayer, but how have you seen God in the midst of it?
3: Yeah, so for me this past year, I think there are two things that really stood out. Um, The first one is that um, I think PCC introduced John Stott's prayer into my prayer life. And that has actually been really pivotal because it really forces me to not focus on what I want in my prayer, but rather on worshiping God and worshiping Jesus. The second piece is that um, I really needed God-fearing women that can personally relate to my experience. And God was able to provide multiple women um, that can relate to me and really spoke life into me.
0: Yeah. How about you, Kevin? Yeah, um, for me, uh, during that time when I was struggling, um, I remember praying to God as you pretty much for the first time very clearly like, God, you, you have to show me like, do I matter to you? Um, and uh, uh, there, like, you know, at that time, you know, a distant uh, but trusted uh, Christian brother who moved away showed up and started like checking in on me um, out of the blue. Um, I started, my thoughts started to get flooded with worship songs. And it, it was kind of a pivotal moment in that I realized my prayer has been about God's kingdom but I, I did not ask God to fill me first. Um, and uh, since then, I kind of took a different way of uh, prayer. Um, and uh, I, I started to double down on reading the scripture. And I just realized that um, the order matters. <laughs> um, then, from, from the scripture, I'd start picking out so many things of how God was loving to, to us, how he was personal. Mm-hmm. Um, worship songs started to mean more and even though we were not out of the woods um, by any means uh, I still a lot of time fear will we even have a family uh, I do have to say that my heart is in a different place in some sense um, I, still, I still wrestle with God at times uh, about the question of having will we even have a good family um, but what I don't question anymore is does God care for me? Does God love me, Kevin? And I think that, that that's kind of how I'm walking through this time. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you guys so much for sharing. It's so beautiful to see that God has surrounded you with community and showing you that He's there even through the wrestling. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
1: One thing in common with Kevin and June and all these giants of our faith. Is that none of them lost their faith in God? Neither did Habakkuk. They all held on. Remember this: asking why is not a sign of faithlessness. It's just the opposite. It's leaning in, grabbing onto, and wrestling with God in the wait. It's Habakkuking. In Habakkuk 2:1, Habakkuk tells the Lord, I will stand at my watch. And station myself on the ramparts, I will look to see what he will say to me. Habakkuk is not going anywhere. He positions himself firmly in the mess and he waits for God's response. Even while he's in the storm, immersed in unfairness, surrounded by hardship, he surrenders his timing and he waits on God. Where in your life is God asking you to stand? to watch, and to wait. Habakkuk 2.3 says, Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. We can trust that God will not be late. He will be right on time. What timetable can we trust even more? Ours or God's? Habakkuk makes a choice to put his trust in God's. Imagine with me for a moment the story of the prodigal son. Daily, the father goes to the door as he prays for his son's return. He prays and he waits, but he never stops standing in the doorway. Standing, watching, waiting. Can you still be obedient to what God has called you to do while waiting for him to come through? Our faith family did. So did Jesus So did Habakkuk. I will stand, watch, and wait for what the Lord will say to me. And finally, Habakkuk acknowledges that God is still in control when he writes, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. May God bless you as you stand, watch, and wait.
0: Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.